0: All right, welcome everybody to our latest Between the Races podcast on the MX Vice Network. Thank you everyone for listening and supporting the site. We really appreciate it. We'd first like to thank our sponsors in Fly Racing, Monster Energy, Fox, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Acherbis, AS3 Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, O'Neill, and of course, even strokes for all their incredible support. As without them, none of this would be possible. Also, before we get cracking, big shout out to Whole Shop Motorhomes for jumping on board to sponsor the upcoming podcasts. Whole Shop Motorhomes is the UK specialist motorhome dealer for motorsport transport. They specialize in garage motorhomes and race vans that are suitable for a wide variety of sports, such as motocross, enduro, karting, mountain biking, and more. Check them out online on their website. Check out the Commander Motorhome that's especially excellent for motocross. And also you can check an article out on our website and a YouTube video on our YouTube channel. So get amongst all that. we start this one. We'd like to welcome MX Vice Tester Brad Wheeler as the co-host for this one. How's life, and thanks for joining
1: us. Yeah, yeah, all good. Thanks, Ed. Not too bad. Um, Was hoping to try and get out on the weekend just gone, but the weather didn't allow it. Um, So yeah, fingers crossed for this weekend. But yeah, obviously you need to thank Yamaha as well for loaning us the YZ450 for the year. Still all the testing on, so big thanks to those guys. And yeah, discount code for even strokes, Brad Wheeler ten make the, make the most of it cuz i don't think it'll be around forever the discount code so yeah head on over to redirects.com brandweed10 and you'll save uh, say 10%. Good stuff mate cheers and yeah for this episode we're joined by exciting british
0: ace tom grimshaw who's recently locked in a deal with apico honda for 2024 so how's life and thanks for taking the time to join us
2: oh thank you uh yeah so far so good it's um at a had a good year last year, obviously, with the um, the Chambers lot and Tim Dummy. Great service for the last four years. But um, I was just looking around for that next step for my racing and um, that was going to take me to the next level. And fortunately, we had um, a few conversations with Dylan Brown, who runs a Pico. And uh, yeah, he brought forward this deal along with Honda UK. Um, so this is a, this is a big deal for me. Like, this is a big step for my career. Um, so I, when when they approached me, there's no way I was saying no to it. So it's it is the next step for me, and uh, yeah, just getting the things rolling now. Got a few bikes, um, and uh, yeah, this side of Christmas we're just gelling, gelling with the new new bike. Obviously, I've been on Austrian bike for the last four years, so it's a big it's a big change, but uh, so far so good. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you enjoy it, mate, the adaptation process to the new team and the new structure has been really good and you've been pounding out the work, no doubt, already, getting prepared for 2024. How's it all been and do you plan to go sort of Belgium, Spain, Holland for some pre-season training as well or keep it in the UK for now because obviously you work a job as well, so it's probably tough to balance everything?
2: Yeah, so usually I do find a bit of time to go to Spain, but um, I don't think I'm going to do that this year. I'm just going to take a little bit of a different approach, uh, I've got some new people in my in my corner. Um, they're going to look after me here. Um, so um, I will be di- um, dipping and diving to um Belgium and Holland, all that lot when I can. Um, but if it if it gets really bad over here, I might yeah I might have to make the trip down to Spain. <laughs> but the plan of so far is just to stay stay in the slot basically, uh, rough it out, um, uh, improve my sand riding, um um and yeah go from there so uh yeah no 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 plans of spain yet but uh, we will see <laughs> what's the uh
1: what's the 2024 season looking like for you at the moment in terms of championships and uh yeah all the things that you plan to do the things that the team want you to do what you want to do etc well <clears throat> with uh
2: with a pico on the racing they've, um we've committed to doing a british championship and the new fastest 40 championship al- alongside that, that's our two priorities. Um, but then I when I approached Dylan, I wanted to keep my GP um, calendar like still going because I, I still really want to have a go at those. Um, so he's um, Dylan's all up for it. So that's that's great for me. Um, so we're, we're, we're hoping there's about six or seven GPs that are possible for me for next year. So... Yeah, British Championships number one, and with the lot with the fastest 40, and then about hopefully about seven GPs we can fit on top of that. So it'll be a busy year. Um, and then obviously you've got a few new championships coming into into play. So if there's a free weekend,
1: I'm sure I'll be there as well.
2: So yeah, it's gonna be chaotic, but no, I'm looking forward to
1: it. Yeah. Are you are you drive will you drive to the GPs or will the, the team? sort of drive the truck out and you can fly or is it is it kind of he's giving you he's letting you do it, but yeah, it's kind of off your own back.
2: Yeah, he's um he's letting me do it. Um uh, but yeah I have to I have to find my own way there and uh do it myself basically me and my dad would, would go out there and do it. So um it's a bit of a slack with all the driving, but it's um sometimes you just gotta make it happen, haven't you? So um no, but once you're there and everything, it's just um, it's brilliant. So we, we don't want to miss that experience again, um, especially with where I'm at in my career and everything. i am taking full advantage of doing these GPs while I can. Um, so if that means driving 10, 15 hours to some of these races, then that's what's got to be done. Yeah, mate, well said. It's really cool to see you testing
0: yourself at the highest level, obviously. Fans want some more Brits in the GPs, but obviously seeing Watson doing his thing, Sterry did some, Dickinson did some, and some other guys too. Obviously Gilbert will be there next year, so there's some pretty exciting times ahead for the UK audience as well, so... But yeah, I guess how was the 2023 season for you as a whole as well, mate? Obviously, some ups and downs with some injuries and obviously great results with the Chambers racing squad. So, and just getting that invaluable experience at the GP level, mate, against those heavy hitters must have just been such an awesome experience, mate. And you sort of felt like you belonged by the end of it. Obviously, it's a massive step up in class. There's sort of no getting away from that. The intensity, the speed, the endurance these guys have, mate. They're just absolutely you know, the world championship level riders. They're just the best of the best, aren't they, mate? So, how is it all for you, mate? I guess pretty steep learning curve but you seem to sort of make some really good progression and you're happy with it moving forward into 2024
2: yeah it was um for my first year in the 450 class it was um eventful a little bit um but we did have some success with the in the British sort of championships wise towards the end um I had a great start to the season um and then I went to do my first GP and not not ideal your first GP and then you crash out but before I crashed out, I was I was running it, you know, I was doing really well. I was just outside the top 20 at the time, um, being around some big names. And it's it's still getting, uh, I still have a little joke with that, it's still getting used to looking at these names, stop looking at the names on the back of the shirts, basically, because uh, these are guys I've been watching for years, you know. So um, I'm hoping for next year that that won't be a problem. Um, won't let that affect me. But it did did have a bit of an effect on me this year, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Um, and just a little bit of self confidence, really. Um, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, I had the injury at Trentino, which was my first one, and that set me back a little bit. And then, uh, got my key uh, my teeth kicked in in Germany, I'm not gonna lie. Um, but then gradually after that, we got a bit better, like we'd done Majora in Italy, and then we had the British Grand Prix, obviously. Um, so we gradually got better and better, I got more confident. And by the end, I started to really feel like, yeah, I I deserve to be here. Um, I'm in I'm in the deep end, but and I am near the back. I do I must admit, and it's hard. But sometimes you've got to wake yourself up. Like these these are the best people in the world, and um, if if you if you're scrapping with some the some those riders, I think you're doing all right, you know. So um, the whole the whole the whole thing for me doing GPs is to make me better in the British Championship, basically. Um obviously I get the memories and everything with racing against these guys, these tracks and everything. But it's the ultimate goal is to make me a better and stronger rider when I come back to doing the British Championship. So um I felt like that worked, um, especially in my first year on the four fifty. Um and I'm looking forward to just basically carrying that in with um into twenty twenty four.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome to see, mate. And obviously you were talking to James a couple of times throughout the season at Madley as well on the interview there that It was slightly interrupted by the HRC guys, mate. It was a bit of a banter. Good laugh there. But obviously, like, listening to your talk, you're obviously pretty analytical. You know, there's little areas of improvement to make you so much faster per lap, like attacking jumps, corner speed, momentum. So you obviously sort of analyze the areas you can improve and just gain everything you can, soak up all the knowledge from these riders you're racing against, because they really are, you know, something special. So, and like you said, you take that back to the GP level and you probably feel Less pressure, more confident. Like you arrive at the <laughs> gate, like you're the man kind of thing. So I guess there's some of the key takeaways you probably extract from the GPs too.
2: Absolutely, yeah. And that that, that is the, that's the overall goal. So honestly, the amount I learned from just being in that environment, you know, just being out on track with them. Um, I remember qualifying session in at Matley, and I was I managed to keep Sewer behind me for. All right, he started a couple of bike lengths behind me, but for a whole qualifying lap until about two corners to go. And I was like, oh, I use that as a bit of a goal. You know, I was like, right, I'll try and keep him behind me. Um, and that just shows if I managed to hold him off for a whole lap, it's like then hopefully like the next GP, that'll be two laps. And then next GP will be three laps. You know, gradually just get, as long as I'm getting a, a 1% better, is still improvement, you know. So as long as I'm seeing that, I'm happy. Um, and I'm not far off. That's the whole thing. We're, we're just fighting with temps now, you know, and, um, okay, when I go to the cheapies, it's probably a little bit more than that at the moment, but when I come back to the British, you you look at the qualifying times now and lap times in the race. We're all so close, so we're all looking for these little marginal gains, so this is where I'm trying to look for those little gains, <clears throat> and um, I think it's working because so I'm I'm watching these guys in front of me like the geysers and erlins and stuff, how they approach and jumps, how they approach approaching the corner, and it makes me think. God, I didn't even think of that, you know. So when it comes around to the next lap, I apply it, and I take that to other places, not just not just that circuit, you know. So, um, honestly, the Mount Man I learned it just stacked up this year, and that was the whole overall goal of the whole experience yeah.
1: Yeah, I think like obviously it's 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 it'll be super easy to get demoralize going to the gps and like you said sort of towards the the back end of the pack sort of scrapping for points and things and you know like fighting your ass off and not really having a great deal to show for it but like you said it's it's the what you learn from scrapping with some person you've never raced in 20th 21st position is like uh it's it's priceless when you go back to the british championship and things against people that you've raced pretty much your whole career um and yeah like you said with like hurlings and geyser and those those top top guys it's just like they're doing they're not necessarily doing everything way faster It's the way they dissect the track and the lines they take are just yeah they're just obviously this experience and the way they do things is their brain obviously just works slightly different but if you can just pick up on like a couple of the things that they do and apply it to the British Championship, it all um it all adds up, and um yeah, like you said, it's, it's like just a tenth here, a tenth there, and like you get a top ten start at the GP, those tenths drop off pretty quickly when you when you're hanging out in that top ten, they they suddenly drop off, and then you like conference bills, and then you keep getting those top ten starts, and then before you know it, you're like twenty minutes into the race and you're hanging out there in ninth tenth, and you're like this is. Fucking great! Why didn't I? Why didn't I do this before? But um, that's it. That's it. yeah, it's it's. But it, obviously, it's good to sort of see that you like you've got realistic goals about doing the GPS, and that is the the aim is obviously still the British Championship, and that's like the GPS are to make yourself better in domestic stuff. But what's um what's like the teams the team's goal in terms of um. The British Championship. Are they are they like expecting titles? Are they podiums or? Well, it's not. There's
2: well the clear thing from the beginning was there was no pressure from the team of what this is what we expect. There's none. There's none of that. Um, Dylan's approach to racing. We had a good sit down and think it's it's still it, he's there for his enjoyment because he enjoys it. You know, it's it's whole, the whole social. And everything. But again, he's just providing me with everything um, in order for me to do my best. Um, however, on my end of things is, is when I put expectations on myself. Me and my dad set goals going into the year. Um, so <clears throat> I've said to Dylan, my clear goals for next year, and he, he definitely thinks it's possible. So um, yeah, we, we, we sit down every year, me and dad, we make a clear goal, assess what we've done the year before. Um, what. What went well? What didn't go well? We assess it, Um so I definitely think going for twenty twenty four. I'm I'm gunning, gunning for consistently be a top five guy, and I would love to make it onto the podium. Love to make it onto the podium. So um, they're the goals I'm reaching out for, and I, I do truly think with with a, with some hard work, which we're trying to we're trying to work on my weaknesses um, with some hard work over this winter. Um, again, some some guys looking at me as sort of a bit of a new approach to things because um, I've got such a fantastic deal this year. Well, for next year, um, it's allowed me to actually put some. Well, I'm not gonna lie, we're putting some funding towards some like coaching and which I've never been able to do ever. It's just been me and dad. So um, yeah, before that, used to go towards bikes and parts and stuff like that, because that's a little bit covered this year, we we're able to try a new approach. Um, again, we're just trying things. If it doesn't work, we'll, we'll step back. But um, I think I'll regret it if I never thought, oh, I should have gave that a go. So we're trying things, trying to be better than last year. And I think that's what everyone's goal is every year, isn't it, to be better than last year. So, um, But yeah, I, I am truly excited. And like I said, I'd, I'd love to be a cons- consistent top five guy. Um, and I'd love to get onto the podium. So, um, and Dylan, um, Dylan from a Pico, definitely believes I can do that. And the whole rest of the team, Dylan, Anna, um, we've got a great little setup, and I can't see why not. Why I can't be that guy?
1: Yeah. <clears throat> so, like you said earlier, you moved from like off an Austrian bike onto a Jack bike, the Honda. Do you have? Did you start from like a stock setup or did they sort of give you the bike with a pipe and suspension and things on it? Or yeah, like where did you where did you start your like your base setup from? Yeah, so
2: I up until when when is it now? Like two weeks ago. Um, I hadn't rode a Honda or anything. I signed the deal without even testing it or anything. But you only know, got to look at what the like the Conrad done this year with Gilbert. Um the whole setup and like I said, it's fortunately it's not it's not just a Pico I signed with. It's the whole Honda UK lot, so it's I'm getting their knowledge as well as Dylan's and a Pico. Um, so it's the whole setup. So I'm not going to be short on knowledge. Let's just say that. um And so yeah, I went up to a Pico Racing uh, two weeks ago. Picked up a uh, Dylan had my bike all prepped. Uh looked lovely in the in the workshop. Um, it had my suspension on it, which was set up by Mark from RSS. Um, and then it has literally a pipe on it at the moment. And I've just been riding that. And uh, so far, so good. Um, if anything, it's a little bit too fast for me at the moment. So we're playing around. We're going to play around with a bit of gearing, uh, a bit of ignition work. But... Um, very, very different bikes. Let's just say that very different bikes. Um, but I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm, I'm not a fussy rider. So I can literally. I feel like I can jump on anything and be reasonably comfortable and go reasonably fast quite quickly. Um, so, uh, but it's just my own little comforts, you know. So we're dialing in that in at the moment. We're testing through just like different bars and stuff like that. Uh, the small things, but overall engine package uh suspension handling wise it's just lovely at the moment. So um the more we get onto the rough sort of tracks, um, the more I'll I'll get a better answer for you. But as of right now, we we're, we're just building ourselves in, but so far so good, yeah.
0: Yeah, mate, it sounds yeah, like you're building yeah. that solid base. And obviously, in terms of your weekly training schedule at the moment, what's that looking like? Obviously, a lot of on and off bike stuff at the moment. How many days per week are you riding? Obviously, it's a bit weather dependent in the UK this time of year, mate. And you're sort of planning on doing some of those pre-season races, obviously, Hawkston maybe any of those Italian and French ones coming up. Are they sort of on your radar as
2: well? I can't tell you my training schedule. There's all sorts of people Listen to this. Uh, <laughs> just a basic framework. No, yeah. <laughs> probably
1: just no, probably yeah, your
2: dad. Yeah. <laughs> so far. Um, this this side of the year we um I do focus on more my physical fitness and then the bike stuff. The bike stuff's just a bit of a bonus and just getting my 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 arms back into play and my whole body used to back back to riding. But it's mostly my physical fitness and then as of in the new year we'll start hammering some laps and some motos. Uh, but yeah for sure I'm I'm signed up for the Hawkstone International, so that may be my first race um and then the following week we've got that uh we've got a big dutch international at Leerop, which i'm going to do uh, which will be a workout i know that um and then um that's it so far and then shortly after that the season kicks off anyway. so uh yeah the two those are my two sort of pre-season races i've got planned up until then but yeah up until those races i'll be just uh moaning down somewhere and um uh, pin the laps in basically
0: that's nah, awesome mate and obviously with the mxgp stuff how did you enjoy the qualifying races obviously the format for points this year they introduced Did you find it pretty good the intensity and i guess speaking to the other riders i've spoken to heaps of them some of them like it some of them don't like it so it's a bit of a mixed bag mate but i guess you enjoy the two-day format as a whole though when you go to the gps more bike time more experience just more time in that environment in that atmosphere even dealing with the crowd and the extra media and the attention it all sort of builds a complete package when you go to the race and so you just feel as comfortable
2: as possible. Yeah, it's um, like I said, like from that end, yeah, with learning and everything like that. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I struggled this year with the two day format because I'm for years now I've just been used to the the British Championship one day. Uh, you you wake up, you race, and you go home that day. So, um, I what I was particularly what I noticed was I was reasonably strong on a Saturday. I was pretty good because that's when you're 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 at your most fresh you know um but come sunday i did wake up and caught, you have a bit of an ache and all this and all that and it's that's where i need to be a little bit better but that's where i gained a bit of again a bit of experience of pacing yourself slightly looking after your body uh doing the right recovery eating the right stuff because really you won't be waking up sunday fresh because that's when it actually really counts you know so um, I'm not. I'm not in the position at the moment to be looking at points in the qualifying race. Obviously, it's, it goes down to tenth. I'm not really. that's not in my in my grasp yet. You know, I'm not reaching that yet. So, uh, for me, it was all about just a little bit of gate position and getting you getting well racing some of these tracks um, because obviously you do all the practicing, do all the qualifying, but it's different when you race them. So, and some of them I've never raced before. So. Um, but, yeah, I was reasonably strong on Saturday. And then came when it came to Sunday, I was a little bit sore. And I struggled with, sometimes with the longer races. So, um, but that's something, that like I said, I've learned. I'm adapting for next year. I'm going to get stronger, uh, put some more time on the bike, a couple more days in a row. And um, just so, um, so I'm a bit more prepared for that, you know. Is
1: there anything that you, <clears throat> you've done a couple of GPs, like a handful of GPs now? Is there anything that you've seen at the GPs that you thought, yeah, we need to be doing this at the, like the British Championship level. Obviously, it's, it's a different level of the sport. It's the pinnacle. But is there anything you see you think? Yeah, there's no reason why we can't do this in Britain. Well, we could we could start a whole whole <laughs> we
2: could start the whole thing, couldn't <laughs> we? But um, I'll keep it I'll keep it basic. Um I'm for sure. Like you, you turn up straight away. The organisation of Let's just say how the pits are laid out, you know? So um, I think sometimes when you turn up to the British Championship, it's a little bit unorganized. Let's just say that. So, um, but you when you go to a World Championship, you're there's, there's no faffing. Your parts here, your parts here, all in a line, all looking professional, big teams at the front. I think it's just such a great advert for, for motocross. And just imagine if someone was that, that was their first ever race they were going to watch. And they obviously, they, they picked a bloody good one to go to the World Championship. But um, with all the teams laid out, how they are, it just looks professional, which a World Championship should be. And But we've got no excuses, I think, in the British Championship to be the same. I think just with a, a bit more organisation when it comes to parking, with, with having the team lorries at the front and everything. So, um, obviously... <laughs> that's got nothing to do with the racing and people might argue well, it's it's not going to make the racing better but it's the overall picture and we're trying to um, sell this to a bigger market you know Um, there's plenty of people I know this year who came to um, watch me for the first time they've never been to a motocross Cross race but I invited them down Um, and so there's plenty of those other people with other families as such I've never seen a motocross Cross race before Um, so we're trying to sell it you know trying to make it as Popping as as we can, you know, so we want them to come back or we want them to go and buy a motocross bike. And so that was a little thing, just a little bit of like better, better, better organization in the pits. Um, really, though, it's with the British Championship, as soon as that gate drops, the racing's great, right up until the checkered flag. The race is brilliant. So we can't really argue with that. Um, I think the structure with the two. The qualifying and the two motos is fine. I think it's just fine, just little details, just little details. Maybe a bit more time for track prep. Um, we struggle with that because we have a couple, t- I think, too many classes. I think some of that should be put into more the track prep and a bit more um, fan zone sort of activation with the, the kids and the younger, younger kids that are coming up. I think that should be time spent more on that and then actually squeezing in another race. Um, so it's just little things you know um, but again we could we could open a whole can of worms but it's it's not bad it's just little things you know and that's what's going to make British Championship at better
1: Yeah it does seem like there's there's a lot going on at the British Championships like there's they're like loading the gates up like before the, the race is on is even finished whereas like you go to GPs and there's sort of like 10-15 minutes in between each moto to allow you for, yeah, like you said, a bit of track prep if needs be, or like grade the start up and things like that. And like I think you you do need the the like a, a decent gap at some point where the fans can get down in the pits and have like an actual a, a real look around, not sort of run down in the pits, grab a couple of little graphs and then back up before the start of the next moto. But what's your what's your opinion on some of these new tracks like the oxford track in monster mountain schoolhouse um oak hangar do you, do you do you see them sticking around or do you see them sort of going back to the, the like you, you call them landrake the ones that have sort of not been used for a couple of years i
2: um personally i like it i like the I like the change, you know. Everyone, it's everyone moans about. We are uh, we go to the same tracks year in year out, and let's just say so you did three of the British Championships or the three of the national events available in the UK. You're going to these tracks probably three or four times throughout the year, you know. Um, so I think any time a, a championship introduces a new track into the the into the calendar, it's exciting, you know. Like there was about four new tracks I went to this year um so that was that was brilliant and like oak hanger, first time around um obviously it's tough with with the weather we got hit and everything mm. but if you look at the track and everything it was yeah unreal, i thought, you know just carving through the woods um and yeah, then cool. you go to op-
1: cool.
2: oh mate it was it was brilliant you know and deep sand um i think it was brilliant again it just needed it was the first year so it was a little bit all in the unknown um but again if we just from another year on top of that, a bit more experienced. They know what to do with setting up fences where people should be standing, shouldn't be standing, now the pitch should be laid out, blah, blah, blah. Um, you got Oxford, which I think was a brilliant venue. Um, track's brilliant. Um, you've got the hard standing, obviously, which is always a, I think, just keeps things clean, keeps things looking sharp, you know, um, more convenient for the fans. Um, and then Schoolhouse was was good. Um a lot of work went into the track. I just think a few more banners needed to be put up on the inside of the corners and just missing a few little things. Um and then the pits was a bit of a bit of a mess there, I'm not gonna lie. Um with because we had a good couple of groups there with the kids and everything like that. So I think that's just a thing they're gonna hopefully change for next year. But track wise fun, you know. So I enjoy going to these new tracks and the more I, the, well, these new venues, I welcome them because um, we we do need to be going with the times, you know. There's only so many, we've been going to the same British Championship tracks. I know some of them can only hold a British Championship, but um, it's just exciting, you know, going to these new tracks and keeps it fresh um, for, for the fans and for the riders. Um, so, yeah, I welcome it.
0: Yeah, it's really good insight there, mate. Obviously, with the whole state of play of British motocross, which we've talked about a lot on various podcasts, obviously lots of chatter about it, how to improve and streamline and develop riders within that framework, like you've mentioned before, mate. So just your take on all the different series that there are available to riders. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it nice for you as a rider to have options, mate? And also another key thing that, you know, we've spoken about as a TV package. Obviously, they'll be making big ideas to improve that for this year because obviously it wasn't where it wanted to be at all. So obviously that makes a huge difference. It draws in fans, fans that can't get there. Family members can watch their members ride. They're better for sponsors, the exposure, and you can get the reach around the globe. Like with the Aussie series, for example, this year they have some stuff on YouTube. I think the Australian Supercross series was streamed free on the WSX platform. And the ADAC, you know, for example, is a great motocross championship. That's all on YouTube. So I reckon if they can just get that spread the word about the motocross and just sort of showcase their product would make a massive difference too, wouldn't it, mate? So your take on a couple of those things?
2: Yeah, I think, um, well, the former MX National Series was the first to dip its toe in with the live streaming, and I think it was a great step for racing. Um, some places they did struggle with service and everything like that, but general package, when I used to watch it back after, like on the Monday after the racing, it was cool you know it was good and I looked at the views sometimes and they're racking up some good views you know so I think that was that was brilliant um, I think that's a thing that needs to keep going um, with the championship sort of uh, standpoint I, I think it's brilliant that we've the more racing the better for us to obviously earn some money and etc um, I just wished a little bit the there was a little bit less chest pumping and a little bit more relationship building, you know? So, um, because I don't think we need as many as we got. Um, I think if we just, some of them just got together and just um, put it all towards one or two, you know, and put a little bit more funding and a bit more effort and a few more people just having their input with how to run things. Um, I think that could be better for us, you know, instead of having, there's a lot of national series now and it's, um, I think, okay, yeah, you can look at the positives, but then I think the negative is, is pulling the people away from each championship, people having to decide, you know, so um, I think if you had the, the British Championship and in another national series, I think that would be great, you know, but, um, but again, again, I'm not complaining because they're putting in a lot of hard work and getting some good money up for for the line so um, for us to earn a little bit of a living out of this so um, I'll be definitely dipping my toe in in a couple of the other national events as well, yeah. Yeah, that's great insight. And obviously, I suppose growing up as
0: like you are, mate, you know, you want to go to the GPs, you want to hit the European Championships if you're a young fella. So it's really cool seeing a guy like Billy Askew doing his thing. He's a real star on the rise and he'll be in AMX 250s next year, mate. And obviously other guys like Bruce and Rizzy have sort of chanced their arm at the highest level too, mate. So just interesting to see those prodigies develop and see where they can take it, mate. Obviously, both the lads, they all suffer injuries. Motocross is brutal like you have done, mate. But I guess that'd be your advice. And I guess encourage these kids to sort of step out of their comfort zone and get their feet wet on the European and world stage because the learning that goes on there is just nothing short of sort of remarkable, isn't it, mate? It's just you can't prepare for it. You're not going to get the same stuff in Britain, the tracks, everything, the whole vibe. So that'd be your advice too, mate. And how excited are you about those young talents?
2: Yeah, straight away, honestly, just I recommend if you're top end in the British Championship, like the, the youth series, like if you're one two five, two fifty, whatever, it's just get get into straight straight to Europe. Go straight to Europe because sooner sooner you're in that environment. Again, like I've I've been through it. I've been doing Emacs two fifty C um, series for the last couple of years and get my again, just get my teeth can kicked in completely, you know, sometimes not even qualifying, you know. So I've had to go through it all because it's all a learning curve. And unfortunately you don't it's completely different to what we race here in the UK, you know, it's, you're in your little comfort bubble over here you you know who you're racing against you know the tracks inside out um but you go there and like i said it's it's the best of the best you're racing on completely different tracks uh, They're wider they're rougher they carve up differently the format's different um but if you if you can if you can um be successful at the european stuff you're you're doing something right you're on the right path but um if these, some of these riders, I don't understand why they just stick stay here. Obviously, it, it's diff. I get it. It's difficult with funding and everything like that. But I'll do my. If I was them, I'd be doing everything I can to get to, even to the local ones, like the, the French GPS, the German GPS, the ones that I, that I I just try and make happen. You know, um, you don't see me going to some of the, like some of the big slaps of a drive, like Portugal. Like some of them are just a little bit unrealistic for me, but you'll see me at the French Grand Prix, you'll see me at the German ones, uh, the Dutch ones, etc. The ones that are realistic, you know, and I believe with with a bit of help in the corner, they'll sh- be able to do that as well, you know, So because um, you're not going to get any better from just staying in your comfort bubble.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally agree. <clears throat> if you want to achieve anything it, it the GPs, then, yeah, you're not going to do it based out of England. It's simple as that um, just... The, there's not the teams here that are looking to take riders to that top level at GPS, whereas obviously <clears throat> you've got all the all the factories there at more like nine months out of the year. It's like it's this where you need to be. Um, yeah. yeah, just sw- switching gear, switching gear slightly. You've uh, you've obviously raced against Prado last year. Um, what's your what's your thoughts on how he's going to do um, in the Supercross?
2: Yeah, he's uh, yeah, I've, I've grown up with fortunately I've grown up racing Friday a little bit. I done used to do the, the Dutch nationals, um, and he used to pff, fly past me on the 85 back then, you know. And uh, him and Gertz were going at it when I was growing up, so grew up with those two. And then, um, um it's a funny story, but if you ever speak to Prada, Pride only really knows me because one year I actually nicked his number during the Dutch championship and ever since then he he's known me for that so um my dad always um, my dad it's his mission to tell him every single gp we go to reminds him of that story so i think he's uh <laughs> he's a bit sick of that but um yeah um but he's just a class act and from the videos i've seen of him in america so far he's this with someone with that much talent they're gonna be fine you know um and from the videos, like I said, God, he looks great already. So, um, predictions-wise, I I know I might be cutting him a little bit short here, but I think with looking at the whole field and the amount of experience those guys have got with racing inside the stadiums and with that sort of, with the supercross layouts and stuff like that, I think I think a top ten result for him would be really good. I think because mm. all right, people might be going, "Oh, you're crazy" and stuff like that, but. Um, even like they think he's going to go and win it, but um, he might do, might shock me. But from you look at it when you actually break it down, look at the look at the riders and seeing what they've done and the experience they've got over him. Um, I think for the first three rounds, top 10 results would be a really good like base for him at the currently until he goes full time. Yeah, but it's exciting. I I can't wait.
1: Yeah, is that anything you've thought about sort of going stateside, maybe not for the Supercross but. Maybe a couple outdoor nationals. Obviously, after um Josh Gilbert went over and had some like decent results and sort of really got his name out there. Is that anything that sort of crossed your mind, rather than the GP route?
2: It was um, looking like a possibility for um for next year if if I stayed where I was. Basically, Tim Tim was right up for it um i wanted to dip my toe in especially seeing a couple of the guys go over this year for for some of the rounds um so i was i was trying to make it happen um so um i but obviously i've moved on since then and just currently where i am really having a good stab at the, doing the gps uh, and then the british championship and the fastest forward is the priority now so uh, maybe in the next year or two, I'll look hopefully get over there for for a round or two because that that is my dream. Um, with the supercross, I'll, I'll probably take a miss on that, yeah. um, but um, <laughs> I'd love to go and watch one. I, I, I'll do. I'll settle for watching one. I'll be all right. Yeah. What about the arena cross? We we tempt you with with that. <laughs> well, it's funny it's good, this this interview has come out at a good time because I've never done it in my life. Uh, really Cross. Um, and so I was down training in Devon last weekend. And one of the days, uh, Stephen Sword had the indoor, uh, Wilden place hired out. So it was a little tight, real tight, arena Cross track. And I was, I'm not gonna lie, I was petrified. Um, so even when I got there in the morning, I looked out, oh, this is this is out of my comfort zone because they had they had a proper good these size set of whoops um had a few rhythms and stuff like that and for someone who's never touched that sort of stuff it was nerve-wracking um I haven't got the best style in the world I'm I'm full aware of that so these things don't come natural to me (laughs) so but um I actually got out there and honestly I I, I've had one of the funnest days I've had in a while on a bike I I dissected the whole track i got it all dialed within the next uh, four or five laps doing the rhythms and Actually, I wasn't too far off, you know, like Comrade was there doing his laps for the Arena Cross Championship and he was doing a couple of things I, I could work on maybe. But for my first little stab, I was quite impressed with myself and it did actually have me a little bit thinking because um, I went to watch one of the rounds last year and just the whole setup of it all. And it's something now I I, I wouldn't mind giving a go, dipping my toe in because I think it's one of the, like I said at, at the beginning of the interview, I was... There's a few things on my tick list I want to do, and I'll be, I'll regret it if I don't ever have a little go, you know. So possibly it won't be this year, but possibly for 2025 I might have a little look at, um, look at that Arena cross series because it does look like a, look like a laugh, until it's not. Yeah. but yeah, uh,
1: yeah, it, it is. It is really good. It's because you obviously you go to these cities and like Manchester and, and Wembley and Birmingham and. You sort of <clears throat> like you, you ride during the, the morning, and then there's like a good sort of four or five hours of downtime where you can sort of actually you get a chance to sort of actually look around these cities and grab some food and you chat to all the other riders and it is it is a good sort of whole bike, really. I I really enjoy it. I want to try and do a couple this year if possible. But yeah, I mm. think um yeah, if if it's something that you're even just contemplating doing, I would recommend giving it a bash.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: So maybe hopefully it's twenty
2: twenty five. You might see my little arena cross debut, and <laughs> um, it'll be definitely some entertainment. I'll tell you that. But um, yeah. it'll be it'll be fun.
0: Yeah, mate, get the elbows out for sure with Brad and make <laughs>
2: some pretty cool
0: action. But yeah, just a couple more before we let you go, here, mate. Obviously, we do have heaps of listeners from Australia, America, all over Europe, and the world. So for anyone that doesn't know you, mate, just sort of tell us about your story, how you got into motocross. All your idols, key influences, and sort of the key milestones in your career to where you are today, mate. Because yeah, it's been a it's always a long road, mate. A lot of suffering, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of adversity. So anybody to cross racer and just gets to the professional level, mate. Massive body of work behind it and so much support from family, friends and teams too, isn't it?
2: Yeah. So it's a long path, I'll tell you that. Um, I haven't got time to go into it all, but I I got into it because my my dad was actual enduro rider. he done some of the British championships enduros. Um, that was more his bread and butter and I thought I was going to go that route to be honest um, but the actual UK motocross scene looked a little bit more, uh, for the kids anyway, it looked a bit better for me at the time so dad pushed me onto to the, more of the motocross and got started that way and then before I know it I was doing my first season of national racing um, and then I won I won a 65 national championship, quickly moved on to the 85s. Um, I never hanged about. I just quickly kept with the guys that were about a year or two older than me, but I just kept moving up with them. There was no no wasting time, you know? So um, it was a little bit my first year when I went to the big wheel 85s. was a bit daunting, me being 12 years old and racing against people who were like 16. And I'm not going to lie, some of them had a bit of facial hair and a a few muscles and stuff like that when I was just a scrawny little kid that was a bit of a learning curve um but then yeah went one two five for a year and then we jumped straight onto the 250 get learning that and then it was 2019 my first um dip in the tone tone the water with um with doing emexes and um that whole system of things and that was my first year of actual pro racing as swell in the brit um in the english championships um so done that for um dip my toe in with that and then uh 2020 i signed with chambers for the first time and um i say we went through the whole covid thing unfortunately um but again fitting in the emex races that i could and doing the whole british championship thing um and then yeah and then like i said i I managed to achieve my final year on 250 last year, um, third in the British Championship, um, qualified for many European EMX races and um, got a solid result. I got a 12th for the last round in St. John and then made the step because of my hope, my size and everything was a bit of a disadvantage being on 250. I stepped up to the 450 for the first time and uh, I'm quite young, so 20, 21. It's a bit young to be a 450, but with my whole size and uh, everything my structure on the bike it's um it's definitely well suited for it so um yeah so uh one year under my belt now on the 450 and we're just starting that building path again just like we done on the 250 we start from the bottom working ourselves back up again
0: yeah mate, it's really cool yeah do it the hard way and yeah it's just sort of all about progression and just sort of keep making gains and obviously when you get to an elite level like yourself it's more about the finer margins and marginal gains rather than huge strides but yeah it should be pretty exciting to keep track of your season right for sure and just see how you go because obviously you want to test yourself and massive respect for anyone that's challenging themselves because it's easy like you said to just be comfortable and in your own sort of country and your own scene there mate so it's really cool and i guess what are some of the key rounds you're looking at have you got some sort of benchmarks some particular tracks you're looking forward to ones that have got penciled
2: in on the calendar um i always enjoy the french grand prix so i'm looking for those um i love i love those tracks um most of them are on the side of the hill more hard pack sort of conditions which suit me uh, but yeah for sure they're the they're the ones that are circled in the calendar i'll be making those happen i love the italian rounds for some reason like i'll try and make trentino happen again uh, that's a magical place that is that's brilliant um and yeah, a couple of others really, but there's, like I said, there's about six or seven. I can't actually remember them all on top of my head at the moment. Um, but there is some, some exciting tracks that are coming up for next year, so um, I'm looking forward to it. I really am. But yeah, definitely the French one circled, double circled. Let's say.
1: <laughs> is there any um <clears throat> any on the bucket list that you you're desperate to get to, that you've not had a chance to do yet?
2: Indonesia. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm joking.
1: <laughs> One of them doesn't trip. look too bad. One of them looks actually no, yeah, 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 yeah.
2: but I just couldn't deal with. I don't know that heat and god oh, the the trip and everything mm-hmm. like that. But um, I once I look well, we really want to give it a
1: go. Well, let's like let's, said let's exclude the uh, let's ex- just exclude the driving and forget about where it is. Just the track that you think yeah, flat looks fucking min.
2: Oh, but it's gotta be Argentina, I think. So um I think quite a lot of riders look at that and go, I oh, loved it. Have a little go at that. Um looks quite hard, hard to race, but for spinning a couple laps on and everything, it, it does look that looks like a solid track, that does. Um yeah, that that would be that'll be one that's
1: ideal, definitely. I think it looks too fast, I don't fancy that at all. No, not on a no, floor 15 yeah. no, it's way too it's quick. Not, it's not your Marshfield, is it? It's not your Marshfield. No, it's not, it's not only really a titaner.
0: a lot of guys said they have issues with that wispy soil it's sort of a little bit unpredictable where you have traction and where you don't and just like a few holes developing so you know one thing is obviously you don't want to crash in a country like that when you're so far from home and in a different language and that kind of thing so that's always probably playing in your back of your mind when you do those big flyaways for a lot of the riders too like you look at that jeremy c with a crasher in the year and he's like i have no idea how that happened and to walk away from that was pretty amazing wasn't
2: it yeah 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 it's like there's been some big crashes there and i do agree with um it's with brad it's it is a fast track but generally what i'd love to do i just I, I don't know about racing it but i'd love to just do mm. a, maybe a practice and a qualifying session yeah. around there maybe <laughs> <Yeah>. but, <laughs> um, but if they if i'm hoping the gps eventually go back to america yeah. and looking at like the red buds and giving another few tracks to go because they'll be they'll be our ones to I would love to do as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. mate. Just before we let you go, we'll sort of give you an opportunity to say thanks to anyone you'd like to sort of shout out to. Where can all the fans follow you on social media? And have you got any vlogs Drop, mate, if the budget or the time will extend that far as well?
2: I need a media guy. So that's a call out. Anyone who wants to, obviously have to be for free because I'm, I'm not earning <laughs> a lot of money out of this. But um, yeah, any media guy that wants to um, do some vlogs of me, yeah, for sure they can hook me up. Um, Tom Mundasaw Grimshaw 16 on Instagram um and most of all i've just got to thank like i said um dylan and anna from apico um, for signing me up for this year um uh, the honda uk lot to give me the opportunity and supply me with bikes etc um the people that have been in my corner for for a good couple of years now there's a few local businesses that helped me hollywell skips um and city brickwork uh, scott and Eamon, they've been in my corner for Five six years now, and uh, yeah, again sign up for another year, um, and then obviously Mark from RSS having a suspension, um, but then my dad, who's just obviously going to be there right until I stop, I think he's uh, he's been there since day one, and he's never gonna, I don't think he's never gonna leave, so. Um, maybe I'll give him the elbow one day but up until then I, I, do, I do need him I do need him I need someone to spin the spanners don't I so um, yeah so that's it so far But um, anyone I miss i really uh, sorry but yeah it's looking good for next year
0: Awesome, mate. Yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time to have a chat to us, mate, because it's really awesome what you're doing. And yeah, I'm sure a lot of fans will sort of resonate with your story. A lot of the hard work doing it, the privateer style and just making it happen, pursuing the dream and chasing it. So that's really awesome, mate. And any final thoughts from you, Brad? Thanks for coming on as well, mate. What's in the works for you with the testing? Obviously the weather's playing a bit of havoc with some of the stuff you want to get done, but what's it all sort of looking like for the rest of the year?
1: Yeah, so we had Jens come over to MX Vice offices uh, yesterday. From He's from Motoclip. Which is a a new suspension tool, basically sensors on the front end and the rear end of the bike. And um yeah, it logs your laps, tells you where the suspension's bottoming out, or if it's too hard, too stiff, and then um, yeah, figures it all out. You the AI computer then tells you basically what you need to do if the your fork springs are too soft or you need to go in a couple clickers on the rebound or out on the compression, like things like that. It's um, yeah, super clever bit of kit. So the weather actually looks not too bad this week, a little bit of rain tomorrow and then dry the rest of the week. So fingers crossed, should be able to get out and um give it a go because I haven't actually really touched the suspension on the new bike yet. So it's ideal really to get that set up. So excited to get out and do that. And yeah, and then hopefully speak to the guys at Yam and get a couple gytr parts on board, and um, yeah, smash out a few reviews on those. So, yeah, fingers crossed. There should be some some decent stuff up on MX Vice in the in the coming weeks for people to read over the Christmas break. Awesome, mate. Look forward to reading and hearing
0: all about it. it absolutely. So yeah, before we wrap this one up, we'll thank the sponsors in Fly Racing, Monster Energy, Fox Parts Europe, Scott Bell Helmets, Acherby's, 3 Performance, Kawasaki UK. KTM UK O'Neill. And of course, even strokes for all their incredible support as without them, none of this would be possible. Also a big shout out to whole shop motorhomes for jumping on board. Whole shop motorhomes is the UK specialist motorhome dealer for motorsport transport. They specialize in garage motorhomes and race vans. That are suitable for a wide variety of sports such as motocross, enduro, karting, mountain biking, and more. Check them out online. Make sure to check out the Commander Motorhome that's sure to fit all your needs. And obviously, check them out on our website with an article on our YouTube channel with a video there. So, tuck into that, fans. And yeah, thanks again to the listeners for spending their time listening to this. Thanks to you, Brad. And thanks to you, Tom. We definitely wish you all the best for the new season and the training. And we'll definitely get you back on soon for another chat, mate. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Very I appreciate
2: much. it. Thank you. All no right, lads.
0: Have a good one.